0: Well, I've reached the point in my life where I scan the list of obituaries from our local funeral homes just about every day. I like to think it has to do with the nature of my work, but it could just be a sign that I'm getting older. Either way, I would bet some of you have that same routine. How many of the obituaries that we read sound nice, don't they? Frank died peacefully surrounded by his loving family. I read an article recently, though, that left me a little bit startled. According to some investigative reporting by the Washington Post, two to 3% of deaths in the United States now result in unclaimed bodies. In other words, about 60 to 100,000 Americans die every year without a loved one, family, or friend, willing to step up and claim the body and ensure a proper burial. Think about those numbers, 60 to 100,000 people. With nobody showing up, nobody paying their respects, nobody's life missing a step or skipping a beat at the thought of their death. Completely and utterly alone in life and then also in death. There are of course many reasons why we're seeing such an increase in these types of events. We could point to a rise in the mental health crisis in our nation, the prevalence of substance abuse, the erosion of nuclear families. We could focus on the fact that there is an increased desire for individualism over and above traditional family, social, community, and religious networks. One thing is certain, though. With fewer people engaging in multi-generational, meaningful, deep, community relationships, and more people choosing career over family, these situations will increase. One of the officials interviewed in the article said that we now live in an era in which people can live, work, grocery shop, watch movies, and eat food from restaurants, all without being in the company of another human being. We can be surrounded by thousands of people and be totally alone i want you to in your mind hold that picture tens of thousands of people every year living and then dying totally alone alongside in your mind the meaning and the message of christmas i begin the service with the promise from isaiah that the virgin would conceive and give birth to a son And call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel is one of those names that you've likely heard many times, but probably haven't given it the thought that it deserves. Emmanuel is a Hebrew name. The word El in Hebrew means God. And so Emmanuel literally means with us is God or God with us. And so long before that first. Christmas Eve in Bethlehem, God had made a promise. And that promise was this, that despite the sin and the wickedness and the darkness of the world, God would make a way for us to be with him forever. Despite the countless attempts on our part to push him away, God would see to it that we could be with him. The message of Christmas is that God is with us. However challenging this life gets, however dark the night becomes, however painful our experience, God is with us. And so as we consider this promise from God, the promise of his love and his mercy and his presence among us, I want to read a handful of verses from the Gospel of Matthew. This is from Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is God's word to us. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Here ends the reading of God's Word. Have you ever paused to wonder about that night in Bethlehem? That night in which heaven would collide with earth, the, the greatest miracle in the history of humanity took place, very God of very God without beginning and without end, drew his first breath in the arms of a vulnerable young woman. Shepherds minding their own business in near total darkness, listening intently for the sound of a predator or a thief, anything that might pose a threat to their flock, when suddenly the sky lights up as far as they could see. The brightest light they had ever experienced terrified they cover their eyes but they hear the voice of the angel inviting them to leave their fear behind because he brings good news good news that will cause great joy for all people and when they thought it couldn't get any more wild suddenly there are hundreds or maybe thousands of angels a multitude scripture tells us certainly too many to count Singing, singing like these shepherds had never heard singing before, heavenly singing. What a strange night it must have been when those shepherds walked in unannounced and bowed down before the king of kings. The fullness of eternal deity crammed into eight pounds of infant. And with all of the hustle and bustle around Bethlehem because of the census, how many people walked by that livestock stall with no idea that all of their hopes hung on the baby inside. That their eternity was resting in his adorable little hands. That God himself was with them, among them, in their presence. And think of the helplessness of that God-man. Those of you who have had newborns know what I'm talking about. That infant is utterly and totally dependent upon another for life and well-being. Think of it, the very one who knit Mary together in the womb of her mother was now completely dependent upon her for life, and nourishment, and help. God himself was in the arms of Mary, was in a cattle stall Bethlehem and as we reflect on Jesus Emmanuel God with us and on that holiest of nights I want to share with you two gifts that this story gives to us this evening the first gift is this that we are never alone if you are in Christ if you have welcomed invited Jesus into your life you are truly never alone and yet I know that some of you, even tonight, feel alone. Some of you have been abandoned by the people who promised to love you. Some of you have lost the people who brought the most joy into your lives. There are many situations that can cause us to feel alone. And those feelings are valid. And into those feelings, I would invite you to hear the promise of God to you. That promise first to the prophet Isaiah and then to Joseph and Mary that this child born in Bethlehem was Emmanuel, God with us. While we feel and we experience and everything we can see with our eyes tells us one thing. We are invited to receive and to cling to the promise of God that even when the night is dark, even when our eyes tell us we are alone, God truly is with us. At funerals, I often remind those who are mourning of The central idea of the Christian faith. The main message of the Christian faith is that God is not distant and angry with us. God is not floating on a cloud, shaking his finger, scolding us, practicing the speech for one day when he will hand down our punishment. No, God is not distant and angry. God is with us. That is what Christmas is about. That is the central message of the Christian faith. In his great love god sent his son to take on flesh to make his dwelling among us and the promise of god's presence among us wasn't only for those 33 years that jesus walked on earth it's forever we see this when we make note of how matthew's gospel ends we read the beginning of matthew's gospel but how does it end in chapter 28 of the gospel of matthew listen to the very last words so we read the opening words about jesus being born jesus being called emmanuel listen to the very last words words of jesus in matthew chapter 28 what do you think he says surely i am with you always to the very end of the age These are the last recorded words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. It begins with the promise of the Christ child, Emmanuel, God with us. And it ends with Jesus himself promising that he is with us to the end of the age. Jesus was born as Emmanuel, God with us. And that promise remains until the end. After Jesus' death and resurrection, his parting words are that very same promise. In other words, you are never alone. One more gift that I want to share this evening from our text is this, that there is nowhere Jesus won't go to be with us. Where does Jesus make his first appearance? First, of course, in the womb of an unwed mother, mired in shame We get a sense of this in verse 19 of our text. Mary was betrothed or engaged, sort of, to be married to Joseph. And the practice was that you made these binding promises at the time of betrothal to the person to whom you would eventually be married. Then there would be a period of preparation and anticipation leading up to the marriage celebration. Both families would make their necessary preparations for the marriage. And in order to break off that betrothal or that engagement, it required what is the equivalent of a divorce today. And so not wanting his pregnant fiancé to experience any more shame, Joseph decides in his heart that he will just quietly divorce her. That is, of course, until God intervenes. But just reflect on those circumstances. God was the one writing this story. He could have arrived on the scene in literally any way imaginable. Through any means, in any circumstances, That the possibilities are endless. But how did God decide to come to his people? How did heaven invade earth? How did salvation collide with the darkness of our world? Inside the womb of an unmarried, young, vulnerable woman. Scared out of her mind, about to be abandoned by her fiance. There is nowhere that Jesus won't go to be with us. And then think about the circumstances of his birth. They show up in Bethlehem, Mary nine months pregnant, making the 90-mile trip. Google Maps tells us it's about 36 hours of walking time from Nazareth to Bethlehem. They finally arrive, and there's no place to stay, and so Joseph finds the nearest shelter that he can. Imagine that lean-to structure behind the barn with a feeding trough. Those are the accommodations into which Emmanuel, the king of kings, arrived. The only human ever born, for whom there is an absolutely endless supply of resources, the one through whom everything that exists was created, is born into utter poverty, born with nothing, only a trough for a bed. There is nowhere that Jesus won't go to be with us. But then we fast forward the story. a hilltop outside Jerusalem the Christ child is now grown condemned to die by the Jewish rulers and the Roman authorities when he walked in this evening I hope you noticed the cross by the door that powerful reminder that it was not for the manger that Jesus came but for the cross nailed to the cross shedding his blood for you and for me offering Forgiveness, promising eternal life for all who will believe. There is nowhere that Jesus will not go to be with us. Every other religion elevates morality and behavior and obedience as primary. Think about it. Every other system of religion has At its core, the notion that in order for you to reach or connect with the divine, you need discipline and morality and obedience and personal sacrifice. And this is why the true nature of Christmas is offensive to many. The very basis of Christmas is that you could never reach God on your own. That your best efforts, your staunchest self-discipline, your greatest sacrifice could never bring you to God. It couldn't happen. It's impossible. And so, God came to us. The message of Christmas is that you cannot and you will never be enough. That you are spiritually destitute, That there is nothing you could ever do to fix your spiritual situation. And so God enters into the darkness in the form of a baby. And he promises, you are never alone. And there is nowhere that I won't go to be with you. John chapter 1 uses the imagery of darkness and light. To speak of Jesus birth of Jesus coming into the world listen to John chapter 1 verse 5 it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it we have a candlelight service on a night like this so that all the distractions of the world drift away and we take time to gaze at the light This is the night in which we celebrate the light coming into the world. Coming into our darkness and the darkness has not and the darkness will not overcome the light. I want you to hear those words again. I want you to receive those words tonight that the darkness has not and will not and cannot overcome the light. Your disease cannot overcome the light your broken marriage cannot overcome the light that the loneliness that you feel cannot overcome the light your addiction cannot overcome the light your depression cannot overcome the light your past sin cannot overcome the light the failures of tomorrow cannot overcome the light, your fears about the uncertain future cannot overcome the light. The light has come into the world and the darkness cannot overcome it. Jesus is here. And try as hard as evil might, it can never put him out. He is coming again in glory and in power. He is setting people free. He is breathing life into a world of death he is at work rescuing and redeeming his creation jesus is the light of the world and he will not be overcome and jesus is not just light in a generic sense but he is with you even if you are alone He is with you, and there is no place that he won't go to be with you. And so as we celebrate the Christmas season, this is what we celebrate, that Jesus, the light of the world, is with you today and always. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that although loneliness runs rampant in our world, that we are never alone. That Jesus left his throne, took on flesh, came to be the light of the world, shining into the darkness. Give us hearts to receive him today we do worship you we proclaim jesus as lord and king we adore the infant savior we are so grateful for your gifts and your promises to us gifts of forgiveness and hope and salvation and life and even your very presence with us give us faith to believe give us faith to hold on even on The darkest days of our lives and Lord when we can no longer hold on give us the comfort of knowing that you hold on to us we thank you that we truly are never alone that there is nowhere that you won't go to be with us we praise you our God who is three in one father son and Holy Spirit Amen.